0: Before I get into anything regarding the Penguins or hockey analysis, anything like that, I want to uh, share my deepest deepest sorrow and sympathy uh, with anyone who had any connection, uh, friends, family, teammates, opponents, anyone who may have known uh, Adam Johnson, who obviously passed away yesterday uh may have been two days ago when this is uploaded uh, during a game in the United Kingdom. The entire incident is one of the most tragic things that have come out of hockey in my time of following the game. You know, uh, incidents like that have happened before where you see what obviously unfortunately transpired and, you know by the grace of God, so they make it. And unfortunately for Adam, that was not the case. And he passed away doing what he loved. He was a Penguin, uh, obviously, during uh, you know the 17-18 season. He was with wilkes and He was with the organization until uh, 2020 before he split some time um, in some European leagues, sp- uh, spent some time in the AHL as well after that. But I remember him vividly. I remember watching Adam play preseason games for the Penguins. I don't necessarily remember his regular season. Um, I know he scored his uh, only NHL goal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was the only games he ever played in the NHL were with the Penguins. And I do uh, remember him being in the organization. And it is, like I said, there, I can't properly put into words the severity of what has happened. And I, um, you know, I don't want to delve too deep into, um, you know, the nuances and the blaming or anything like that. Obviously, this is a time for grieving. But I do think that from this, um, positive change can be made. And I think one of those would be mandating the neck protectors that we saw, uh, you know, other other leagues and players across the world use them. And tonight, the night I'm recording Um, a handful of Providence Bruins, the Boston Bruins AHL team players, actually started wearing them because of the situation. And, I mean, if you show a non-hockey fan the game of hockey, usually one of the first things they think of is they're throwing bodies around at such a high speed. How does an incident like this not happen more? And I've thought it too, and I watch and consume a lot of hockey, and i think there's definitely going to be a move to make that not an issue it it's it, it's a preventable at least in the instance what happened with adam it was preventable and i think that we're going to see a real shift here in um in hockey in regards to that i don't think it's a very intrusive protection uh from my from my perspective but i'm not a professional player obviously whenever I was talking to friends and family about this, because this is really, uh, it's really shaken me. You know, this is obviously uh, Hits Home. This is the Penns cast. He was a Penguins player that a lot of people remember, even though he didn't spend a ton of time with the NHL team. But the point I keep trying to make, and by the way, if you hear squeaks in the background, uh, that's my dog. That's a new thing Um, I'll get to later. Um, But one thing I keep saying is um, players sign up, for a risk of an injury in any professional sport specifically hockey hockey is a very violent sport always has been it's in the nature when you sign up there's a risk of an injury you don't sign up for a risk of death you don't obviously sometimes in the most extreme circumstances injuries can lead to that but in this instance it was not something that needed to happen it was something that could have been prevented and Among the list of people I feel terrible for in this entire situation, one of the people at the top of that list, who I don't know the name of, is the player who was a part of the altercation, not altercation, but the incident with Adam Johnson. Because obviously not his fault at all, not something that he intended to do. Even if he was going for a hit, a a body-on-body hit, no one ever in the game of hockey has d- tried to do what happened that's not what happens that's that that's not sportsmanship that's like obviously that goes without saying what happened was unintended and unfortunately that player now has to go and continue their life and like i said there should be no blame No, no, there is nothing intentional about that. There should be no blame levied in that person's direction. However, I can sympathize deeply. I feel terrible for that player and how he has to go on now feeling the way he feels, knowing what happened wasn't his fault, obviously, but he was a part of it. And... I think hockey at large uh, needs to feel some level of responsibility for what happened. And there really does need to be changes made because these players, a lot of them, especially in the NHL, make a lot of money. I can guarantee you one thing. Adam Johnson, in that league he was playing in, was not playing for the money because there probably wasn't a lot of it. Playing in the United Kingdom, professional ice hockey, the money is not there. He was playing it because he loved the game and he died because of the game. And there will be changes made. I really hope that there will be changes made because it's such a logical concern to have watching the game of hockey. They're playing with two blades. Each player has two blades. So on the ice at any given point, at even strength, there's 24 blades, including the goalies. And this doesn't happen that often. But when it does happen, it's obviously a huge story. And it's a much bigger story this time because the player literally passed away. Adam Johnson passed away because of this. Clint Milarchuk was lucky; he say he was uh, he was saved. He survived the incident. His incident. Um, Richard Zednick also survived. Adam Johnson cannot say the same thing, and because of that, it's the year twenty twenty three. Changes will be made. That's all I have to say uh, on that, in, uh, on that uh, incident. Uh, rest in peace to Adam Johnson. And my thoughts are with everyone in his circle, everyone who was affected by this, his teammates, his family, his friends, his opponents, anyone who knew him. I'm sure a lot of people in the Penguins organization uh, knew Adam Johnson, not just of his existence, but knew him personally. And I'm sure that there's people all across the globe that are feeling the effect of this because this affected the game of hockey. This isn't just a uniquely UK thing uh, any or that team. This is affecting the game of hockey. So rest in peace to Adam Johnson. Now, it's really hard to make a right turn after that, but I'm going to try my hardest just because in media, sometimes you have to go from really, really unfortunate stories to stories that in the grand scheme of life don't really matter that much but this whole podcast thing that i've signed myself up for i did because i want to talk about hockey i don't like talking about things like that because it's tragic i hate when things like that happen i want to talk about what happens on the ice in a strategic matter in a results matter not in the matter of what happened to adam so I'm going to move forward here and talk a little bit about the, the Pittsburgh Penguins and what's been going on. I know I haven't had a podcast in almost two months now at this point. It's It's been a very long time. It, it may actually only be a month. I'm not sure. Um, but since the last podcast, my life has changed a lot. I'm uh, very busy. I'm doing a lot of work for a multitude of organizations and things. I'm also in school still. So I don't have a ton of time, free time to do this. I'm doing this right now at 11 to 1, and that's a.m., not p.m., uh, Monday early morning or Sunday night, however you look at it, after working. Um, so, But there's been enough that has happened with the Penguins themselves to warrant this. But to be honest with you, Adam Johnson's uh, situation definitely motivated me to start doing this again and do this episode because uh, – doesn't feel right not to, not to talk on the matter. Obviously, this this affects the Penguins, and it was um, definitely something that needed to be done. But moving on, the Pittsburgh Penguins are seven games, I believe, eight games. That was the eighth game on Saturday. Are eight games into their season, and the overall vibe check in Penguinland at PPG Paints Arena is negative pens fans are not feeling good about this analysts columnists uh broadcasters everyone is feeling pretty uncertain about what's been going on with this team so far as it stands right now let me get my trusty uh applications up as it stands right now the penguins are three five and oh now if you're keeping track In terms of the entire NHL, they are ranked 29th in points. Now, they are in good company. Below them, directly, is the Edmonton Oilers, who uh, won tonight at the Heritage Classic against the Calgary Flames. But the Penguins are not looking good. And the expectation going into the year is, was that there would be improvements. Maybe it would take a little bit to gel, but there would be just general pop, more positive vibes with the team. And I think they, the Penguins fans expected playoffs. Minimum, they expected to be in the playoffs. And right now, they are a fair bit out of the playoff picture. Granted, eight games in. So still a lot of hockey left to be played. Uh, 74 uh, regular season games, in fact, are left to be played, including... Tonight slash tomorrow night, uh, depending on your perspective on it, I guess it would be tonight, uh, the Penguins play the Anaheim Ducks, I believe. I believe they play the Anaheim Ducks at the PPG Paints Arena. I need to double check that and make sure I'm right on that. But nonetheless, the Pittsburgh Penguins, yes, not having a good time right now. And we, I want to go into the nuances of why this is happening, what the problems are, and are there going to be you know, necessary fixes that are actually going to happen or, or is this just going to be a tough time for the Penguins, uh, tough season for the Penguins? That's certainly possible, but let's go through the numbers um, team-wise as we see it uh, goals four per game. The Penguins currently sit amongst the uh, 20th place in the league. They are tied with the national predators and just a hair above the Florida Panthers 20th in goals four per game. Not good enough. Not good enough uh, with the offense that they have. The top six generally has been performing. There have been a few uh, soft spots there. But the biggest issue has been bottom six scoring, where I believe they had two goals now. I think they have two goals um, from their bottom six forwards. Let me double, triple check that. Lars Eller redeems a Horna. Yes, two goals. Not ideal. And the slightest and one of their top six forwards, sometimes top six, sometimes not Ricard Raquel has zero goals, one assist in eight games, one point in eight games for the over $5 million winger, a player who since he got acquired in Pittsburgh has performed, who fans really have gotten behind and honestly, probably the one redeeming transaction that um, Ron Hextall did is acquiring Ricard Raquel. He got him for a second. Uh, Kaylee Kling and something and, uh, was a Brock McGinn. I think Brock McGinn was in that deal as well. Um, that's it. And everyone he he's performed well last season on uh, the top six right wing. You know, fluctuating between first and second line with Brian Rust. But this season he's been a non-factor with one point in eight games. But he's not the only one. Going through individually, um, Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, Guinea Malkin, all of nine points in eight games. That's what's expected. Brian Rust has had a really good start to his season. He has five goals in eight games, seven points total. Very good start. Very good start for Brian Rust. Riley Smith, four goals in eight games, two assists, six points. Um, That's a very good pace for him. Obviously, he's not going to score 40 goals this year, so that goal pace is going to go down a little bit. But he's looked really good. He's fit in very well. Very well alongside Evgeny Malkin. It's almost like Riley Smith's arrival was brought out younger uh, Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin's really looked good uh, so far this season. But then you look beyond that and you get to the pair of offensive defensemen where Crystal Tang has five assists in eight games. Um, you, that's about on par for what you'd expect from him. To a lesser extent, four points in eight games for Eric Carlson. Coming off a 100-point season, the fact he's only at half a point a game is not great. You expect more for $10 million for what he is, considering he's a defensive liability. On the offensive side, he needs to be better than four points in eight games. Lars Eller has three points in eight games, one goal, two assists. Now, he has, I think, I think he's played the role he was expected to play, but I think the problem is, is that they're assigning that role to the third-line center where now in the NHL you need to have a third-line center who can you know, drive a line offensively at the very least. He does, still does have three points in those eight games like I mentioned. Um, but ideally you would want a guy who is on like a 40, 45, 50-point pace as a third-line center. If, you ha- if you're in that position where you have that kind of guy, uh, at your third line center, you're a good competitive team, likely because depth is really what has been winning teams cups over the last I don't know decade, decade and a half. The Vegas Golden Knights, perfect example. Um, so he's played his role. He's definitely been a very vocal leadership uh, leader uh, and a member of the leadership uh, you know committee. He's been one of the guys who they've been they've been going to to speak on um, on the team and post game media availabilities. So he's done a good job in that role. I just prefer they plus assigned a different role to third-line center. Lars Eller would be a great fourth-line center. He's just an, an okay-to-good third-line center, in my opinion. And that was my assessment of him during the signing, after the signing. And he's played up to the role I expected him to do. It's just not—it's it's a, it's a problem above him. It's not Lars Eller himself. Underneath Eller, uh, tied with two points this season, Marcus Pedersen with two points in eight games, Radeen Zahorna has two points in four games, and Ryan Graves has two points in eight games. Uh, Pedersen and Graves, two assists, no goals. Zahorna, one goal, one assist. Zahorna does, obviously hasn't played the full season. Uh, Yannick, or uh, Jan, uh, Jansen Harkins, I can never get his name right. I'm always thinking of the soft J for some reason because of all the European players. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Yannick Hansen, um, but yeah, Jansen Harkins played the first couple games of the year, did basically nothing, and they sent him down, and he cleared waivers, so now he's a part of the organization with Wilkesbury, but they called up Zahorna, and Zahorna has done well, he's only gotten, uh, he's been averaging 10, uh, almost 11 minutes a night in those four games. But he's produced more in the bottom six than everyone else. So um, outside of Eller, but on a you know on a pace wise, he's actually performing better than Eller. So he's earned that role in the bottom six wing. You know he'll fluctuate between third and fourth line. I'm sure throughout the season. But he's done well. He's been a good surprise. He had a really good preseason, and uh, I'm surprised he wasn't given the job straight out of camp. I'm surprised that they um, you know claimed. Uh, Harkins at all and didn't give his a horn of the opportunity off the bat considering how good he played in the preseason game the only players who have who also have points excuse me this season are drew o'connor chad ruedle and the aforementioned ricard raquel ricard raquel does not belong in that uh place in the in the scoreboard in the stat line he needs to pick up his pace or before, before he becomes a uh you know trade bait or if they can trade him or just a non-factor on this team which is what he's been uh, for the better part of the season a lot of players on this team have zero points which is uh, a problem jeff carter's played all eight games no points nolachari's played all eight games no points poj has played four games no points Jansen Harkins, he's down, obviously, uh, with Wilkesbury now, but he played four games, no points. John Ludwig played one game, obviously got injured in it, unfortunately. Did not get a point in that game, but he was throwing body. He played five minutes, five and a half minutes, before he had to exit that game with a concussion. Hopefully, he can come back and play some meaningful minutes and games at some point, because it seems like that um, spot, where there's a, at least one spot, if not two, in that bottom pair, that's available uh, they're not impressed with POJ so far this season, and they're letting other players audition for that position, including Ludwig, but also Ryan Shea. Shea has no points in four games as well. Matt Nieto, no points in eight games. Now, in the, in regard to Achari Nieto, those guys, when they were signed, were not expected to put up many points. They were expected to be mainly bottom six defensive uh, PK guys, They'll take D zone faceoffs that line because they're very good defensively. That was what was expected of them, but they still were expected to chip in a little bit and they're just not doing it at all right now. And that's a problem for this Penguins team. They need depth scoring. They, they needed it last year. I thought some of the moves that they made this year would make it uh, less of an issue. And it's just not the case right now. Um, but, but on the PK, I've been generally impressed with their play. We'll see what the stats uh, say in a second here. Um, let's see if I can get the goaltending stats here. Yes, I can. Thank you, ESPN.com. All right, so we've already seen three goalies suit up for the Penguins this year with Nedeljkovic being injured, um, Magnus Halberg was called up, and he played uh, over half an hour of relief in the last game for Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari's played in six games this season. His record is two and four, with a 2.62 goals against average. Not terrible goals against average. You look at save percentage, 901. Not good. Uh, it's still like probably around league average. I'd say a little below league average. I'm guessing. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm guessing league, league average is somewhere around 905, 906. He's below average. He's not been good. Alex Nandelkovic, on the other hand, uh, he in his short sample size, his stats look okay, but if you're watching him play, there, there was some boneheaded decisions that he made, one of which was the flying poke check where he actually may have gotten injured on that. I'm not sure where he, at what point he got injured, but um, it may have been on that play. But in two games, he's one and one with a 301 goals against average. Not fantastic, but that's more of a team stat. What you look at is the save percentage, and he was 914, Pretty good. 9.14 for a backup is pretty good. If he was able to play throughout an entire season at 9.14, at a 9.10, 9.14, even like a 9.08 pace, that would be a good production from Alex Nadalkovich, and I wouldn't hate that. Uh, but unfortunately, is injured right now, so we're not getting that. Magnus Helberg, in one game played, like I said, 34 minutes. His goals against average was 3.48, uh, 3. save percentage 882. Not ideal, but he was thrown into a game that he wasn't expecting to play in. So anytime someone's in relief, I always kind of take those stats with a grain of salt. I never finished my team stats I wanted to go through, and I apologize for that. Uh, I have a very little attention span. Goals against per game. Let's see where the Penguins rank there as NHL.com updates. The Pittsburgh Penguins rank 19th in goals against per game, tied with two other teams. The cross-state philadelphia flyers and the rival even closer to uh philadelphia the columbus blue jackets so not the best company to be in they're in 19th um so 20th in goals for per game 19th in goals against per game the stats say uh the stats kind of say what you are and right now they're saying that this team is the 20th place team in the league but if you look at power play it's even worse Remember why we, not we, remember why the team acquired Eric Carlson? Because I really wanted to solidify that power play. Well, the power play ranks 30th in the NHL, sandwiched between the Buffalo Sabres at 10.7% and the Chicago Blackhawks at 9.7%. The Penguins are at an even 10% on the power play this year. That is not acceptable. When uh, the two top teams in power play percentage are in your division, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers, um, that's not okay. That's not okay to be 10% that has a power play consisting of three to four, maybe even five, but probably around four um, future Hall of Famers who are still really good players at even strength uh, for the most part. Why is this happening? It's a systemic issue, and the people in charge coaching this power play need to be changed And if you know anything about the Penguins, their power play coach is Todd Reardon. So do with that with what what you will. Uh, Penalty kill percentage. Holy crap, I just sorted. And the Boston Bruins have a 97.1% penalty kill. That is ridiculous. Penguins are at a very respectable 10th place at 84%. If that's sustainable through the entire year at 84, that's a very good penalty kill. And that means that those additions that Kyle Dubas made to help that aspect of the team worked. And that's awesome but guess what the other side of the puck you can't do anything with um, a good stat that isn't used enough is um is you know if you combine your your penalty kill percentage and your power play percentage it should be a, over 100 if you're over 100 you're good that means you have like an 80% penalty kill and a 20% power play ideally you want to be like 105 110 115 um right now the penguins are at 94 an 84% penalty kill, a 10% power play, that's, that's 94. That's not good. They're not good enough at all. That's not a playoff team, uh, quite frankly. However, uh, if you're a glass half full kind of guy, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in first place, baby, in faceoff win percentage. They're with the likes of, or above the likes of, the San Jose Sharks, the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, the Ottawa Senators, the Calgary Flames. Teams you really want to be uh, right up against. So that's obviously a really redeeming stat. So, yeah, Penguins have not looked good uh, in their first eight games at all. Um, Let's take a quick look at the standings around the league. Obviously, very early, uh, but we are very close to November 1st. It is October 30th, as I speak, and the Penguins are currently in sole possession of last place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's not good. Granted. The second place wildcard team is the Tampa Bay Lightning and they are 4 points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. But that's not good. They're in they're every they are in last place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, if they win tomorrow in regulation, they will be tied with the Buffalo Sabres, still in last place. They will stay they they cannot with a win tomorrow. They cannot get out of last place. That's a really bad position to be in for a team that bought like they did this past year, for a team that just traded a first round pick for Eric Carlson, for a team with legends who are retiring in the next three ish years, two, three, four years, whatever you want to call it. Latang, Crosby, Mulgan will be gone. And they wanted one more run at it. And the run they got is a last-place finish in the East, as it stands right now. Obviously, like I said, there's still a lot of hockey to be played. This team could get their act together, but right now, it's not looking good. I want to get more into the Penguins' performance in the first few games coming up right after this short break. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet just $5 on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Licensee Partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back. So, obviously, I was talking a lot of crap on the Penguins, and I mean it. There's There have been some very bad performances this year. But they played really good against some good teams, in particular that Colorado game. They won 4-0 at home against the Colorado Avalanche, who were riding a 15-game road win streak dating back to last season. So with that in mind, the Pittsburgh Penguins are not the worst team, obviously. they may The standings may say that they're the worst in the East, but if you've been looking at some advanced analytics, you can see that they actually have been winning the expected goals race in the games, uh, whereas they should be winning games that they're not winning. So the issue could be puck luck, could be, you know, tough goaltending, but they, they've they been playing well enough that they are, they are supposed to be winning their games. To give you context, expected goal percentage, that's in the games you play, what percent of the expected goals is your team getting? Excuse me. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in second in the NHL, behind only the Colorado Avalanche. Expected goals percentage is one of the better stats, in my opinion, uh, at predict—not just predicting, but at seeing how well your team played. They may not have won the game, but how did they look? How were they playing? Did they actually deserve to have a chance at it? And they did. You look at Corsi percentage, which is percentage of shot attempts. Penguins are in eighth percent in the entire NHL. They're getting opportunities, they really are, but for some reason they have not been able to capitalize, and they've been letting in too many bad goals. Their expected goals for per 60 is 3.07, and like I said, that's second in the NHL, only behind Colorado, and sandwiched above the LA Kings. That's really, really good. Go to expected goals against per 60, they're in 11th place between Washington and Detroit. Two teams you don't really want to be between, but both of those teams, ironically enough, are doing good defensively. Evidently, another issue uh, this season has been the amount of penalties taken. If you look at percentage of pims taken, uh, you know in the games, what percent is your team uh, getting penalties and not uh, getting any power plays? Penguins are in first, fifty-eight point eight two percent, just above the San Jose Sharks. But then after that, there's a three percent gap between second and third place. So that's a problem. Your, your team's taking too many uh, penalties. And even if you have a good pe- uh, penalty kill, taking too many penalties is still going to result in uh, extra goals that wouldn't need to be there. If you have a 15% uh, you know, allowance of power play, so an 85% penalty kill, you're still allowing a goal every 15 times out of 100. And if you're getting more penalties, there's more 100s. You see the problem there. So... The team, analytically speaking, has played okay. The eye test, I'd say it's a little worse. I'd say the Penguins have definitely been struggling there. And um, I know I made the reference about Todd Reardon, but one thing that does need to be discussed is um, everyone in the city has been talking about fire Matt Canada. People cannot get enough of wanting to fire Matt Canada, the Steelers offensive coordinator. And... I think right now in Pittsburgh, the most... uh, This this might be a hot take. Um, I don't know who's more well-regarded in Pittsburgh sports fandom. I don't know if you'd say Mike Tomlin or Mike Sullivan. I'm not sure which one you would say is more beloved. But um, I think Mike Sullivan is very liked in this fan base, and I think you may start seeing... If this if this cold streak goes into you know by Thanksgiving or even the next two weeks, especially on this California road trip where two of the three games should be gimmies, and Anaheim's coming here tomorrow, so that is a bad team that you should get full two points in regulation from. If you start seeing losses like those, you may start hearing Mike Sullivan's name more. Uh, just because this is a team that. Can't waste time playing a bad system. They they don't have it. They they don't have time to grow into anything or to adjust properly. And you can. There was obviously issues with what Ron Hextall. Did he made a lot of boneheaded personnel decisions? But this team now with the different personnel is still performing the same way. They're you know they're make, making the same mistakes. They're showing the same results as the as last year's team. This year's team and last year's team, although there may be different numbers on the back of the jerseys and uh, nameplates, the, it's the same result. It's, I feel like I'm a broken record. Last season, the top six scored. The bottom six did nothing. The defense had some issues. This year's defense has enough issues that they're sitting POJ. That's not something I expected at all. Tristan Jari is still not performing up to the contract that he just signed. Fans has issue with issues with him last year when he was making like sixty uh, percent of what he's making now, and now he's making his big boy contract has a lot of term left on it, four years after this, and there's been no change. So either Coach Sullivan is stubborn and wants to implement his system regardless of the players he has. Or the guys that Dubas added just aren't up to snuff. Which is weird because, like I said, the expectation I had for those guys, specifically those bottom six forwards, was that, oh, they're going to be really good defensively and good on the PK. But where's the move to make this team have scoring, depth scoring? Then they signed guys like Andreas Janssen. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe he'll be one of them. He was one of the first ones sent down. I all off season long and you can listen to the previous episodes. Cause I thought I, I, I've said this from the beginning. I thought Alex Nylander was a shoe in for this roster. I thought he was going to be one of the play drivers on the bottom six. Like, Oh, they're going to need some offensive scoring throw him in. And I was also confident that Jeff Carter wouldn't be playing right now, but he's playing every night. And I could read the stats to you if you if you want again, but in case you forgot, he has nothing going on. He, he is public skating out there right now. Zero points in eight games. Ten minutes a night. He is getting the least amount of ice time amongst forwards on this team just below Zahorna. I don't know how Zahorna doesn't have double, not really double, but doesn't have 50% at least more than what Jeff Carter is getting out there. He's public skating out there. He's been a non-factor. And to boot, I sound Canadian, to boot, they literally have been putting him on the second power play unit. You have a guy getting zero points in your first eight games, and you think he's an option on the power play? I don't care what Jeff Carter used to be. Yeah, he scored 40 goals once. Yeah, he won a few cups He's not that guy anymore. He wasn't that that he wasn't that guy last year. He's really not that that guy this year. He hasn't been that guy since his first few games he played in Pittsburgh when he really impressed people at third line center. Guess what? He's not even good enough to be fourth line winger right now. Get him off the ice. Say what you want about Ricard Raquel. Yeah, he's performing bad right now. He's not putting up the numbers, but you know he hasn't. You 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 know it's there. You know he didn't fall off a cliff over summer. He has skill there. It, it's still very much there. Jeff Carter doesn't have it in the tank. And the rest of the guys who have no points on offense, Matt Nieto, Nolachari, I'm okay with them having zero points because of how good they've been on the PK. And like I said before, you kind of would like them to get a few, like, you know, have a couple like, you know, give, you know, uh, accidental goals when they're out there in the fourth line, maybe even a shorthanded goal here and there. But that's, it's okay. They are not. They don't need to. It's the guys who are out there doing nothing, who are providing nothing out there. Jeff Carter's one of them. And you know what? Someone who I haven't mentioned very much in this episode is Drew O'Connor. He's one of the guys, along with Nylander, that I expected to be a bottom six play driver. He's not fantastic. I didn't think he would be an elite third liner going into this year, but I thought he'd be able to pr- produce something. He's 1.8 games and that stat line looks worse on Ricard Raquel than it does on Drew O'Connor, but it's still not good on Drew O'Connor. And I've also heard, I don't really, it didn't stand out to me this opinion, but I, I I've kind of seen it now that I've heard people talk about it. Ryan Graves has been underwhelming. He has two points in eight games. wasn't expecting him to be a big point producer. That's not my issue. And everything that I said I think he could change coming to Pittsburgh and he would be good if he could change, he hasn't done. He's the player he was to a little worse extent. He's not playing with Kiel McCarr anymore or John Marino. Uh, he's playing alongside Chris Latang. Chris Letang's a good player, but for some reason, he's Graves is just not it because the what you want Ideally, alongside of Chris Letang, is a guy who can move bodies, who can stay at home, be the stay at home defenseman, and you know put up good defensive analytic numbers, you know good takeaways, stuff like that. But ideally, you want someone who pushes bodies out, out from in front of Tristan Jari or Nadelkovic or Halberg. and Ryan Graves with his huge frame, six foot five. 220, 230, I forget what he is. I went to a Penguin practice door, uh, during the preseason. He looked massive. He's massive on the ice, Ryan Graves. He's done. He's not done that. He's not done the little thing that would really be cool of him to do, which is use your body, use your frame, you have it, and push guys out from in front of the net. There was a goal in the, the last game. It was uh, I, I, I forget who it was who scored it, but was standing in front of the net alone with Graves on the ice, As Graves was just kind of like hovering five feet away, six feet away in front of him, uh, a player took a perimeter shot and the guy in front, uncontested, tipped it right in. And Ryan Graves, if he was playing the body, if he was contesting that player there, could have eliminated that goal. But he didn't because he was, I don't know what he was doing. If you look at the best years of Crystal Tang, they were alongside guys like Brian Dumoulin who did those things. Brian Doomlin had a bad year last year. I'm not going to lie to you there. He was not great. But Brian Graves hasn't done anything that is remotely productive. And he signed six years here. I liked that deal. I'm starting to not. That deal may age like milk. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, ahead for the Penguins. Like I guess at eighth place in the Metro last place in the East thing, the the sky is falling. Um, but I don't know if it's falling for, uh, for the people at the uh, arena or at least the people that are, uh, you know, can have, have decision-making power, although it should uh, yes. Tonight, Monday, October 30th at seven o'clock Eastern four o'clock Pacific. The Anaheim ducks are in Pittsburgh playing against the penguins. The San Jose Sharks uh, host the Penguins next Saturday, so they have a long week off. They are off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They have five days off between the game tonight and the California road trip. They will be in California for the three games. The fourth, they play in San Jose. The seventh, they play in Anaheim. And on the ninth, they play against Los Angeles. That's where the team's at right now. I'm going to end it here because it is uh, after one 24 and my uh baby girl uh dog over here is getting tired and she's mad that i'm still talking so i'm going to cut it here and i'm going to try to keep up with these more frequently i can't guarantee weekly just because of how crazy my schedule is right now but i'm going to do my best to get as many pens casts out there as i can um i hope this was insightful i mean i feel like I, I just ranted about the Penguins for the last half hour of uh, this episode. I hope it wasn't ranty. I hope it was more you know, like analy- analysis. I hope, but uh, yes, uh, obviously, for the, you know one final time, condolences and rest and peace, Adam Johnson. That's the biggest takeaway uh, from the past uh, weekend. Uh, all of this hockey stuff it, that we, you know, talk about, all of the, you know, wins, losses, statistics, everything, none of it matters in comparison to human life, and we lost somebody, so obviously um, much more important than anything else that I talk about on this podcast, or anything I ever will talk about on this podcast, um, so I'm going to leave that there, thank you for listening, I'm not even sure what episode number this is, let me take a peek here before I sign off, because Uh, Usually I say that off the top, but unfortunately um, I didn't this time. Uh, This is episode 23 of the Penscast, so thank you for listening to episode 23. Hope you stuck around, and I hope to be back again soon, like I mentioned. Until then, stay safe, stay well.